Yes, it's the Finnish Football Show. Welcome back again. It's becoming a weekly get-together. I'm Mark Wiltshire from Explore Finland. Uh, I'm joined again today, as usual, by Rich Nelson from uh, Escape to Saw Me. Hi, Rich. Hello. From, uh, with, by, by Keke Mulleri from um, Keke Mulleri. Hi, Keke. Terve. And Mark Hayton from FC Saw Me. Hi, Mark. Hello. With Finland qualifying for Euro 2020, there's naturally been a surge in interest in our hooker yet. Um, the Finnish football show team has been invited to speak and write on a variety of outlets around the world. And this made us think that no one really knows much about Finnish football, really. Um, so Rich suggested it might be a good idea to go back to basics a little bit for this episode by creating a, a kind of Finnish football 1.0 reference for people one place to get all that useful info as we head into the uh, the euros because you know we've been at this now for several years and we know stuff well these guys know stuff and i'm kind of picking it up as we go along um rich you very kindly put together the agenda for today so i'm gonna i'm gonna take us through it and uh, and let you guys kind of uh, do the heavy lifting as as per usual for the last five and a half years really um, the first, the first thing you suggested, and um, why don't we do this in order of seniority? Who's been banging on about Finnish football for the longest out of you and Mark? Um, I started doing this in 2012. Mark, um, yeah, I think I, I think I knocked up the first website at about 2014. Ah, you Johnny come late. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Rich. So why don't you just give everyone a, a, a bit of a, an overview of who you are? And we, we did a whole episode on kind of how we came together uh, back in, in 2020. So, you know, but, but let's give a little introduction who we are, first of all, and why we're doing this. Um, yeah, so my name is Rich Nelson. Uh, I first went to Finland in 2008. Uh, my wife, or now wife, is Finnish. And... Um, my first game was in 2008. I saw Coops from Corpio lose at home to Honka of Espo. And uh, kind of despite the defeat, a, a love affair was made. And it became very much the hobby while we were over there that I had my own thing to do rather than sit in other people's houses, smile and drink their coffee. And it was a way of bonding with um, sort of family members and, and making my own friendship groups over there. And, and it was one of those things where once you got back from Finland, I, I couldn't really find out what was going on. Uh, Twitter was in its infancy and, and websites were, were on and off and World Soccer's two or three weeks out of date. So I, I just thought, well, okay, if, if I can't work out what Coops are doing, I'll do it myself. Uh, Escape to Sormi was born. Originally, it was entirely a website and, and a bit of social media. The website has kind of it's still alive in, in an archive form now, but um, I used to do a lot of interviews. I used to have, I think for two years, I had the exclusive rights to the match highlights, which was how low key things were back then. Um, now there's a full centralized contract and I just got every Sunday night, I'd get sent the, uh, the web code to the video that I could upload to my site. So things have changed a lot in the last few years, but uh, yeah, now I'm pretty much exclusively on Twitter and this podcast. So um yeah, it was uh, the nine-year anniversary of Escape to Swarmy this week, actually. So, uh, 
yes, I'm nine, halfway to drinking. Many, many happy returns. Mark, who are you? What are you and why? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty deep question for <laughs> like five is, minutes yeah. into the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Mark uh, uh, Hayes and I've been in, in Finland for, I moved to Finland in uh, 2004. I think my first my first Finland game was to, was also was around the same time. It was about two thousand and five. I watched us beat. Uh, I think it was Macedonia five one. So it was like a. <laughs> I was I was I was missold a, a bill a bad bill of goods because I think I, I turned up and I thought and it was we won five one. Forsell scored twice. Tihinen scored. I think Litti didn't score. He was but he but he played. So you watch this Finland team in two thousand and five that was you know. Just full of like household names that nobody seemed to know about. Who was smashing teams five one? I thought, oh, here we go, this will do all right. And very much like Rich, you know, uh, football was one of the easiest ways or the, the best ways for me to help integrate into into Finnish lifestyle because the Finns, are, you know, as as we all know, not exactly a talkative bunch. So uh, so it's always good to have a common uh, common subject to discuss. And then, um, yeah, so over a couple of years and a couple of jobs, I, I did various stuff getting getting into into Finland. And then in 20, sort of 2013, 2014, I noticed that I had a bunch of mates that were in, that lived in cities where Finnish players were playing. So I had friends in Poland, in, in Holland, in Southern Germany. Uh, and we thought, oh, well, we can actually start now kind of like putting together reports on on uh, Finnish players abroad and how they're doing, because actually one of the things that we noticed is that every time we turned up to a Finland game, you know, we, most people knew could name about ten players, and then everybody else, the likes of you know the guys who were playing in the third, the German third division or in in Poland, nobody knew anything about. So we set up a a, a website called FC Swami back then uh, to try and report on uh, on uh, yeah on just Finns uh, abroad and then and then their general association with the national team. And uh, that grew and blossomed and grew. And then I met you, fine gents, uh, also further along the way. And we started having this much fun. Yeah, we did. Maybe maybe I'll jump in there because it was it was when I, I so I moved to Finland in 2008. Uh, but I wasn't living here full time at the time. I was kind of traveling around quite a bit for work and and then got to work for the same company from home based here in Finland. Uh, so I guess it was really 2013 that I started to live here permanently and uh, had this idea about starting a podcast and started the Explore Finland radio show. That was at the end of 2015. And after about a year, uh, I think, Mark, you you reached out to me and said, hey, there's, there's me and Rich. We've been thinking, would you be interested in starting a podcast about Finnish football? And that was that was where that all started and in many ways we were pioneers we were recording this show online we've used all manner of streaming programs over the years but we started doing this online right from the beginning like five and a half years ago and it wasn't so easy then but we've stuck with it and the world has the world has caught up um so i i'm of same same thing finnish wife we moved to say Nioki to her hometown i now have a different wife who I can just hear coming through the door you can probably all hear just coming through the door and um and, and kind of settled here and, and getting into the football and watching SJK 
Zaniyuki was the was the way that I started to make friends over here for myself. So slightly different way, but similar similar kind of story. So we've been making Finnish football show for for five and a half years together, and explore Finland radio show is still going. There's other bits and pieces that I'm sort of involved with as well. Um, okay, we kind of first heard from you as a listener to the show, but what else have you been doing? What's your connection with Finnish football? Well, much, uh, much like Rich, I'm, I'm still based in, in England. Um, guess what? I have a Finnish wife. She's from Uvascular. Um, yeah, and, and, and similar to Rich, you know, I was, uh, we used to hop over to Finland, especially before the kids, you could just jump on a jump on Ryanair, get a, get a flight and, and pop over for the weekend. Almost. It was, um, it was that, it seemed like it was that easy. And, um, yeah, rather than uh, rather than get dragged around the same friends to hold the same babies again and again, I decided I need some of my own mates. So um, there is only so much coffee you can drink on these yeah. on these days, isn't there? I, exactly. I felt I felt the pain when Rich said it. And in a uh, in a nation of coffee drinkers, who uh, someone who doesn't like coffee and asks for a chocolate milk, it gets a bit embarrassing. So um, so yeah, I, I may be way down to Yee Core Yee Vascular, who. Um, we're actually in the in the top division in the Vakehouse Liga back then, so Haiti uh, days, and um, saw the uh, saw the nutters at the back of the stand um, clapping and singing, and thought they're the ones for me. Just uh, made my way up there and told them my story. I'm English. I'm into this. Mind if I join you? And um, yeah, firm firm friendships were forged that night, and uh, and continue to this day. So um, yeah, sort of. Went on from supporting Yee Yee Corm and seeing them whenever I could over the summer, to uh, to following following the Finland national team with with my mates from Uvascular and uh, and also meeting all the other regulars from the SMU core who who go to every single game. So similar stories to you guys, and I just think, like you said, you know, it's um, Finnish football, which may not be the case going forward. Up until now, has sort of been like an exclusive club. What with what with hockey being the, the sort of number one sport over there, the uh, the rest of society sort of maybe looks at you as a bit of a bit of a, a freak if you're a football fan. But um, yeah, that might not be the case going forward. No, let's let's hope not. Um, Mark, Keke, yeah, Keke, you just mentioned that uh, that that Ryanair flight is was it the Ryanair flight that got into dampening? Yeah, that's the one. Right, I, I reckon at least twice, probably more. But when I was a kid, I used to, I, you know, I used to take that that flight back and back like back to see my family in, Newca- in Newcastle and then come back out. At least twice when we landed, the the whole airport blew a fuse when they put the heavy uh, heavy bags on that conveyor belt. That would have been about, I don't know, there must have been just some dodgy tractor engine powering the whole bloody place because it was all it was an aluminium shack but I, but at least twice when i landed in that airport the the fuse went when they put yeah. bags on that conveyor belt okay so if we if we're doing uh ryanair to tampere stories my first three years in with my family here in finland my job was still in the uk and i was commuting every weekend so i reckon i did about 47 weekends a year of commuting so that place became like like a second home i it got to the stage where like the 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 staff working at the airport you weren't quite on first name terms but it was certainly like a cheery wave like a greeting an old friend as you went through and and the mad thing was that they were uh, the first weekend we did it you know i was dropped at the airport we'd had a couple of weeks here dropped to the airport went back and i was standing in the queue 
I saw these other people and they were like rocking up to the queue to, to board and all like, oh, patting each other on the back. How are you doing? How was your weekend? And I was like, oh my God, there are others like me. I'm not the only lunatic. This, this might just work. And there were people that became friends, like traveling friends for those few hours on the, on the flights. Um, uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't recommend it, but it was quite interesting period of my life, let's say that. So those are our credentials why don't we have a run through the the key players that we've got in the in the squad at the moment uh, rich you listed four particularly but you know if anyone wants to jump in with any with any others but we've got lucas radetsky tim sparv glenn camera and demo Puki. they're probably the names that people will mostly recognize outside of outside of finland but um why don't we go through and uh, and should we take one player each or something like that yeah um so why don't why don't you start then mark who do you want to take well if i'm going to start then i guess you have to start with bookie because okay. because i mean for the last i mean bookie's been a journeyman for the majority of his career you know and he's always been that potential uh, that uh, you know struggled to live up to the to the hype when he first came on the scene. You know they gave him the they gave him the number ten shirt straight away, and basically everybody said, okay, this kid's going to be the next Lipman, and, and put all the weight on his shoulders. And he took him it took him a, a fair amount of years to get used to that responsibility. And I think it wasn't until he went to Bronby where he learned how to basically close down as a striker to press from the front and to run, you know, you know, cover proper distances that he didn't, that he, it was only then that he started to really improve his game coming into the tournament. You know, I mean, he's the guy, if you look at how we qualified, you know, we qualified with one nil, two, one, two nil, really tight margins, really tight score lines at the back. And it, invariably it was Puki sticking the, sticking it in at the other end that, that made the difference for us. I think if we're going to get anything out of the upcoming group stage, it's going to have to be, it'll be on Temu to, to deliver the goals. Luckily, he's in a fantastic run of form. I mean, and he's had a lovely break, enforced by a minor injury, uh, but he shouldn't be uh, too stressed. You know, he's, he's, he's had a bit of a rest. He looked all right when he came on against Estonia uh, and he should be raring to go. And I'm not sure if I read it or heard it, I've been listening to a lot. I'm reading a lot of stuff that Rich has been doing over the last week or so. He's been a busy boy, uh, but the the partnership that Bulky has with Robin Ludd could be um, could be really important for Finland if they can get it together. Well, I mean, every basically every team that plays us is going to come at us. You know, I think everybody's going to look at Finland as the as the as the team they have to beat above all else, and that should leave him a lot of space in behind. And that's exactly where he's perfect on the counter attack, off the shoulder, looking for the through balls that the likes of Lord and Taylor can make to get him in behind. And uh, and if if they can, if they can just get him into that one on one situation, you know, nine times out of ten he'll find the back of the net. Is it is it? unfair to say that he he needs a few, a few chances to to set his sights in a game um i mean you know i think it it, it it all depends on his on his form i mean it, like i said when we did when we, when we went through qualifying you know i think i think every sort of major chance the clear sighted goal that he had he stuck away i think you know yeah he does he does go through those patches you know where uh, where he sort of struggles to find a bit of form but if he's in form He's, he's a he's a quality guy. Mm, absolutely, Rich. Who would you like to speak about? 
Um, well, I've talked about Tim Spav, the the captain. He's um, he's a, a very interesting man. He's quite outspoken in his way. He's very happy to speak about a lot of things that either aren't football related or may touch upon football in some way. He talks about politics, the environment, education, the importance of travel and widening your horizons. Um, he even reads books. I know, I know, it's weird. I mean, there's been a campaign from the Finnish FA in the last few months to get more kids reading. Uh, Pookie's got a book. I mean, it's called Demo Pookie Baby. Um, and him and Sparf have been doing the equivalent of the CBB's bedtime stories on YouTube, where they read for a couple of minutes a, a kid's story, either a new one or, or an old one. Um, he's had a very nomadic career as well, a bit like Pookie. Um, he was in the youth side at Southampton in the same team as Gareth Bale and Theo Walcott that got through to the FA Youth Cup final. Um, I think they lost in 2006 or five. Um, since then, he's been all around Europe to what you could say the minor leagues, but he's been to clubs that you think are quite interesting. He's been to Groningen in Holland, Greuther in Germany, Micheland in Denmark. He's, well, he's just left his club AEL in Greece. Um, but he kind of came to prominence. I think there was an emphasis on when he was, I think he'd just gone to Michelin and the whole Moneyball thing was, and, and data analytics was becoming a popular thing. Obviously the film and the book had been done. And he was seen as this perfect Moneyball signing because he was, I think the thing referred to him as the no stats all-star in that he was so good at reading the game that while his sort of particular statistics weren't, outstanding it was the stuff that he does off the ball that's so good um he's now 34 and very much the captain's side he's not played a lot in the last six months because of injury but his his role in the team and in the squad is now more about what he gets out of other people um glenn kamara flourished in the qualifying campaign playing along Sparv. um Sparv provides this quality base at the, at the back of midfield, sort of anchoring, taking the ball and, and playing it to people who can do better and, and can run more. Um, again, like Pookie, we don't know what exact physical shape he's going to be. But, um, I mean, he, he wrote a piece in The Guardian last Saturday. That's the kind of thing he does. It actually made me go out and buy the paper for the first time in a long time. But, um, you know, and he's, they're not, you know, he said they're not there to make up the numbers. You know, his dream was to captain Finland and, despite being a massive Manchester United fan, we don't hold that against him, even though he did score against them for Michelin in the Europa League. But, um, you know, he's, I mean, his English is better than mine. He's so open about this is his sort of career-defining moment at 34. He's finally leaving the team out. I mean, he's got 80-plus caps. He's got one goal for Finland. Um, but, you know, if he leads the team out on Saturday or in any of the three group games, you kind of think, you know, that's for, for what he's gone through and, and for the journey he's taken, this is just such a massive, massive deal for, for him personally, but as a representative of Finland. Okay, how do you feel about talking about Lukas Radetzky? Yeah, I can, I can uh, just before I go on to that, I just wanted to say um, on, on Rich's point about Tim Sparv, you see these... Banners unfold at Premier League grounds, captain, leader, legend, and I just think that's the sort of that's the sort of banner that would uh, that would suit Tim Spar perfectly for Finland. Do you know what I mean? Like um, 
not just a throwaway comment. That 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 sums him up completely. But yeah, moving on to Lucas Radetzky. I mean, what can you say? He's he's um he's, he's serious when he's on the pitch, but off the pitch, he's he's a barrel of laughs. I mean, we um we had him ourselves. We were lucky enough to get Lucas onto our onto our podcast for a chat, and um, yeah, he was uh, he was having a beer with us and uh, and pulling on the the owl mask and, and all sorts. But um, but yeah. On the pitch, fantastic. He he had a he had a little injury to the back end of this season, but um, made his way back into the Bayer Leverkusen side, and uh, and no surprise that their their form returned to them when when Lucas was back in nets. I mean, um, he's been at he was at Bromby in uh, in Denmark before that. He was at Esberg in in Denmark, so he's um, He's familiar. He'll be back on familiar territory when uh, when the Euros kick off for us in in Copenhagen. But um, I just think he inspires. It. I mean, we've we've spoken in previous episodes about the, the strength in depth we've got currently with the goalkeepers. But I just think with Radetzky Radetzky behind him, it just inspires confidence throughout the team. He's um, his, his statistics are outstanding. He's he's in great form for club and, and country and. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think, and he's he's one of the others who I really think will go a long way to inspiring this team. You know, like um, a lot's been said about the team spirit around around hockey at the, the sort of club side feel to the to the national team, and I think that Lucas is um, is one of those who really make sure that the lads are fired up for Saturday. He um, he was recently on the, the BBC World Football podcast as well. He's uh, his, his second time on there, I believe, where he was um, he was chatting away and he was saying that he's actually um, he's actually the, the dressing room DJ. So um, so yeah, he's uh, he'll be he'll be sticking on a few inspiring tunes and uh, and leading the team leading the team into battle on Saturday. So um, yeah, what else can you say? Then nothing, and I'll move on to talk a little bit about Glenn Kamara because I think many of us that follow. UK football saw him coming through the ranks at Arsenal and then not quite getting much of a run in the team. I think he had one or two, one or two games and then and then went out on loan at, at certain places. And um, I th- there was a, a podcast released this week in in Finland, uh, but in but done in done in English, where where Glenn Kamara was talking for I don't know forty. 45 minutes or something like that and it was in, it was really interesting to sort of hear him talking and and it went quite it went to some quite deep subjects and of course there was the the, the sort of on-field racist incident recently which he talked about and I'll put a link into the um into the blog post that goes with this where everyone can listen to it because it's well it's well worth it but on the field I think seeing him grow into the player that I guess we hoped he would grow into. Rich, you said about his his sort of partnership with with Tim Sparv, and I think he does a bit of everything, doesn't he? He's he's back there winning the ball. He's driving forward with the ball um, and passing and finding his teammates. I, I love watching him play. You you sort of if you if you keep an eye on him, um, just seeing how much of the how much of the play goes through him when he's uh, when he's on form, he's really important there and I, I I think it was was it Andy Niemi when we interviewed him last year who said the only thing missing from his game is scoring goals and it just doesn't ever seem to really pull pull the trigger you think go on do it now do it now so I I'm hoping that that 
that he can maybe cap off his Euros and a, an incredible year winning the winning the league in in Scotland with Rangers with a goal at the Euros. That would be that would be quite something, wouldn't it? Anyone got anything to add to what what we've said about these players? Um, kind of Kamara, I, I saw he he played one game for Arsenal, one senior game, in a League Cup game at Sheffield Wednesday, and it was a, a boy in a man's team against a strong Sheffield Wednesday team who won 3-0. Um, the, the difference between him, and I saw him play away to Fulham in the, the academy a couple of times when, when Jesse Joranen played to Fulham. And again, sort of seeing him, he, he looked like most of these Arsenal players who don't stay with the club. He has all the technique in the world, but had no experience. He was playing a boy's game. He then went to Dundee. Or, I mean, he has several loans at his Colchester South End. He went to Dundee and then to Rangers, where he's become a man. He's playing senior football in a tough, tough league, and he's thriving, absolutely thriving. And um, I think we noticed in the Nations League games this time round in, in the autumn of 2020, when he gets the ball now, he turns to goal. He, he's not always, you know, I think before he was kind of looking to keep possession at all costs but now he's actually you know when he receives the ball he's already kind of looking towards the goal and the game I think it was away to Ireland the uh, at the end of the game they put a highlights compilation of just what he did and some of the things that he was doing and whether Stephen Gerrard's been coaching him a certain way I don't know but, but it's the sort of thing that we're not used to seeing you know we're used to functional midfielders playing for Finland and he's come along and he's doing something different he's brought his experiences with him and he's still a young guy um you know potentially you know could be in the team for 10 years he's um really really good uh, keith yeah I was, I was just gonna say he's i don't know if it's got anything to do with him for those who don't know obviously um glenn was living in finland for the first few years of his life and then um he's, he's he moved with his mother to to london which is where he obviously came to the attention of arsenal and i just wondered to myself he He's, I think he's the closest that we've got to what we might determine as a street footballer. You know, some of those close skills that he has with the ball, um, keeps the ball under control, close to his feet and that, and, and all the turns that he does. And um, yeah, I just I just don't know if that's maybe comes out of growing up on the estates of London, uh, just honing his skills in the in the sort of the tennis courts and the alleyways of um, of the estates there. So, but yeah, he's, he, I've said it before in this podcast, I, I think he's a Rolls Royce of a footballer and, um, and that's, that's, that's the best way I can, I can describe him and his achievements for Rangers in Scotland. I mean, um, I really, I really enjoyed the, um, the Palo Quero interview that, um, that you mentioned, Mark. Um, obviously they, they, they did touch on the, the racist incident. They, they, um, Yanni Oevio asked, um, Ask Glenn some some difficult questions, and, and Glenn was big enough to to answer them. Um, he's a. I, I do now seriously think that even though those questions do need to be asked, I, I I do now think that Glenn has and and deserves to be able to put that that incident behind him, mm. and um, and you know, I, and I think that that one particular incident maybe has shoved him to the forefront of people's consciousness more than his football, but just wait until these Euros kick off and it will be the football that they're talking about, I think. Yeah, quite, quite right. Let's have a, let's have a look at, and I'll put, I'll put links to our interviews that we've done with some of the people we've mentioned and also to that, that interview with, uh, on, on the Supla platform so that everyone can, uh, can take a listen there. 
there's some of the established and the key players, but there are there are some coming coming through. We've got um, Robert Taylor, who's of course Finnish, born and raised in Finland, but with a, an English dad. There's uh, Daniel O'Shaughnessy, who's also born and raised in Finland, but with an Irish dad. Uh, there's Onni Valakari, and there's Marcus Force. Um, Mark, we haven't heard from you for a while. Pick a pick a player and and tell a little bit about him. Um, Onni Valakari's dad uh, played for Derby County uh, and in Scotland, if I remember if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, Onni was born in Scotland, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he was while it, while Simo was up there. Um, and he, if you if you if you if for those that aren't familiar with him, you might want to uh, get yourself a copy of the highlights of Finland two France nil uh, from uh, from uh, late last year, late late twenty twenty. Uh, in that game, um, he was the the key to turn sort of Finland's counter attacking sort of pack the box low block defensive style into something that could really hurt um, uh, the bigger teams. It looks like. Onni's probably not going to get a start in berth. I think that he'll be brought on most likely as an impact sub in place of somebody like like Robert Taylor. Uh, but for me, there is magic in that kid's boots. You know, he's he's really light on the ball. He can shift his weight really quickly. He can still shield the ball, and he wins tackles and penalties. He wins free kicks and penalties um, relatively frequently. Um, I, 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 he's he's been, only been around the national team, I think, for about six months to a year, so not very long. Uh, and I think he's only he's in his early twenties, so he's not he's not exactly a a, a, a senior player yet. But uh, he's got bags and bags of potential, and I think uh, I think he could absolutely be one to watch because he's got a habit of of ripping the pins out every now and again. Ripping the pins out. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not a football term that I've ever come across before in all my 40-something years. Well, you know when you absolutely leather it? Ah, and then, okay. And you take, you take the net and rips, it, right, rips, okay. the, pins, rips the pins out. <laughs> you've never... Mark, you're telling me you've never ripped the pins out? <laughs> no, I certainly have. I most certainly have. No. I, not on I, a football I, pitch. No. That's <laughs> I, I, um, I, I played Sunday football up until the age of 30 and I scored a handful of goals. So few goals that I can probably remember every one of them. Um, and some of them even managed to get all the way across the line and hit the back of the net as well. There was that kind of that kind of power. Hot shot, Hamish. I was not. <laughs> um, Keke, who would you like to uh, to talk about from that little list? I mean, to be honest, I'd I'd like to I'd like to talk about all of them, but um, but one one bloke who I really want to give a mention, who I've I've championed on our podcast before, is the beast Yoni Kalko. I mean, um, this guy. I just think. I don't know. I don't know if there's something about him when he when he pulls on the blue and white of Finland or or what. But I just I can't get enough of him. Just the the power, the strength, the the passion that he plays with. He's he's not he's not scared to go up. He's not scared to go up against anybody. And um, you know he's until recently he's been plying his trade in the uh, in the Danish second division. Um, he, he he was with Esberg and, and and they were sadly relegated the uh, year before last. But um, He's uh, he, he's just announced that he'll he'll be leaving them now, so we'll wait and see where he pitches up after the Euros. But but when he when he when he plays for the national team, he's he's absolutely something else. He he he, he chips in with he chips in with goals. You know he's um he's and I, I've nicknamed him the Beast because I just think he's a monster of a man. I mean I, 
I really want to, I really want to meet him. I really want to get him on the podcast and we can, so we can have a chat with him and, and see what he's like as a person. But, but to look at him, especially, well, I can't, I can't decide if he's scarier with a shaved head or with the long hair. Do you know what I mean? He's just <laughs> like, he, he's just, and I just think going up against, going up against some of these, some of these other nations, when they, they look around in the tunnel and see Calco, they I just think he'll put the fear of God into them. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out. I can't wait to see what he can do. That's, that's all true and that's all well and good, but he was not on either of our lists of players that we were going to talk about. So would you like <laughs> to talk about Robert Taylor, Daniel O'Shaughnessy or Marcus Ford? Okay, sorry. I'll, I'll go with Robert Taylor because he's from, he's from my, my, uh, my adopted hometown of Uvascular. As you've said, he's, um, his, dad's, his dad's from England. Um, Robert had a bit of a had a bit of a football journey, but not not dissimilar to to Glenn Kamar, really. You know, sort of around the academy system and all that. He um, he pitched up at some 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 lower league English teams. I mean, I'm not sure if it if it was if it was important for for Robert to try and make it in the English game. Um, you know, due to his his connections and his his heritage, but. But it was really when he, he came, he, he had a spell at Nottingham Forest where his dad was also also a player for a little while. Um, Lincoln City, he had a spell there. Um, and yeah, and it wasn't until he came back came back to Finland and started playing regularly in the, in the men's team at, at Yee Yee Core that he started to really sort of develop and progress. He had, um, he had, he had a fantastic season or so there um, and got, got his move. He's, um, he's now, in, now in Norway. Um, and yeah, and doing 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 decent things. Uh, I, I mentioned in a previous episode that um, SK Brana not not doing so well at the start of this season, but but Robert can be pleased with his own form. And um, and similarly to to Valakari, he's he's a he's a skillful player. He's um, he's not shy of a free kick. He's uh, again, you know, maybe not as not not so much as a street footballer, but he's, he's very, very skillful. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he could do about 8,000 keepy uppies. Do you know what I mean? He's, um, he's, he's one of them sort of footballers, but, but yeah, again, excited to see what he can bring to the table. And Rich, who would you like to talk about now? Um, I'll talk about Dan O'Shaughnessy. Okay. He's, um, he's an interesting one again, on the topic of uh, particularly Rob Taylor, when, these teams get read out and people see O'Shaughnessy and especially when he played twice against Ireland uh, last year. Um, he and his brother Paddy, just to make him even more Irish, um, they both were developing at the same time in, in sort of clubs in Finland. Um, Paddy, his career kind of went off the... I think at one point he was looking like the more promising prospect. Um, he's now playing last lower level in Finland, but um, Dan, he went to Metz in France. He spent some time in England. That he was at Brentford and and all known at Cheltenham. He was at Mitchelland as well in Denmark. And he's come back to to HOK in Helsinki, and he's really established himself as a quality central defender. Um, he's the only Finland-based player in the squad. He's the only Veikkausliiga player to have ever been named for a European Championships, and. Uh, he's likely to start because now Finland are playing with three central defenders at the back where they didn't before. Um, Yunotoivio, Palasariuri are going to be there, but now O'Shaughnessy is going to be almost certainly the the third in that three-man midfield. He played most of the games in the Nations League. Um, you know, like, like the other two, he's quite good going forward. He's younger, he's a bit quicker. He's, he's pretty good on the ball. Again, 
not having with the other two are such was such a dynamic pair they were quite tenacious and and really hard to kind of get between and separate he adding him to the mix it certainly gives more more benefits in terms of coverage um but they've got more to do now playing usually behind behind wing backs but um his old man was from Galway which is uh, hence the name and, and growing up in Finland but there was an incident recently he was um talking on another podcast about how when he was at Cheltenham he got caught up in in an incident which ended up getting him getting arrested and um, taken to the police and spending a night in the cell down in Cheltenham. But uh, his English girlfriend wasn't pleased, but they're still together. I think they're engaged now. But um, yeah, he's definitely, uh, despite the name, he's definitely Finnish. And you were all very kind to leave Marcus Force for me because I got to see a little, a little of him playing um, a year and a half ago. He was on loan for half a season from Brentford to Wimbledon, which is my team in the UK. So I, I got to see him play a little bit. And he was he was young. It was exciting to see, especially from my perspective. This is Finnish football and Wimbledon combined combined together. And he's he scored, he came into the team and scored some goals and scored some important goals. Um, and you know, for a club that has struggled around the bottom of League One. For the last five years, and and still again this season, he he was there scoring goals. He he looks powerful. He likes to to sort of get through on on the break, and and no better example than that than his debut goal for Finland, which was on the break from a very long way, running through on goal, and just calmly sort of stroking the ball, driving the ball high past the past the goalkeeper. It was. Uh, it ridiculously calm, um, and and he seems to have just built built on that. I mean, on the Wimbledon sort of Facebook groups, people are still looking back and saying, "Hey, his goals helped, you know, really helped keep us up that year." He 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 won vital points for us, and he he sort of took that experience. Uh, I think the second half of that season, he was injured, and then he went back to Brentford. And as we've talked about before, he he played a regular role for Brentford last year, albeit perhaps a sub coming on as an impact impact sub and i guess looking at, at finland's forwards for the for the euros if all of them are fit he's probably an impact sub then but for like with valakari two players that, that sort of burst onto the scene against france to be impact subs at the euros is no is no shame at all i i'm i'm looking forward to just seeing those guys sort of continue and continue to to develop he's um it's another exciting one for the future. So people um, people who are listening in England will start seeing a bit more of Marcus Force because obviously Brentford have just been promoted to the Premier League through the playoffs. Um, Force popping up with with the, the third goal in their semi-final second leg to sort of cement their place at Wembley. So, um, yeah, for uh, for English-based listeners, um, keep an eye out for, for Marcus in, in the Premier League next season. I mean, for as you said, Mark, he's a young lad. But he's um, and he's he's but he's obviously well grounded in in his interviews. He speaks really well. But but he's um, he, he might be young, but he's he's a he's a big boy. He's not 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 afraid to use his strength, and he's and he's got plenty of it. So um, yeah, look out for him. Rich, um, well yeah, because again, like you know, his, his granddad was an international footballer, wasn't he? Um, and Marcus was picked as the athletics kind of. They they did a group of 
60 young players to watch over the Euros. And Marcus was the, the only one who made it from the Finland squad. Um, but looking at him as a centre forward and, and looking at his strengths and weaknesses, a lot of it was numbers based, you know, his goals per minute ratio and, and everything as a, as a predatory centre forward. He doesn't do a lot in keeping possession. He doesn't do a lot of, of some of the other stuff, but as a penalty box player, um, that was what they were pointing out his skills. And um, there were some rumours, I think, about a year ago when Dortmund were kind of exploring picking him up as, I don't know, the next Erling Haaland. But, um, yeah, the, um, he's definitely, I think, the, the brightest and the, the, the one is likely to make the biggest difference if he comes off the bench. I mentioned Predators, Rich, and that leads us on very nicely to the to the story behind the nickname for the Finland team. Now, there was a video that went out uh, just a few days ago from the Pallolito, the Finnish Football Association. So I'll put the link there in the notes. It's a six-minute documentary, if you like, or interview and, and archive footage uh, about how how Finland came to get its name, and it's worth it's worth watching, especially when you hear this story. Um, Rich, go on, tell tell what happened. Um, so it was a Euro two thousand and eight qualifier in June two thousand and seven. Finland were at home to Belgium. It was a Saturday evening. Um, Finland were managed by Roy, Roy Hodgson at the time, and it was one of those games that uh, I mean, Finland then had a history of kind of getting near to qualifying for major tournaments. And, and this was uh, a, a big game. It was, I think, about 35,000 in the stadium. And after about 16 or 17 minutes, a large, makes me sound like Attenborough, a Eurasian eagle owl descended into the stadium and um, decided to park up on the pitch. Uh, the Show, showed was, off, basically. Well, it did. It was sort of preening in front of uh, an adoring fans. And... Uh, the, the referee was was Mike Riley, who most English fans will recognise. Um, and the owl then flew onto one crossbar and then went on to the other one and basically lauded it around the stadium for, I think it was six or seven minutes before the game was eventually restarted. Um, within five minutes of the restart, Jonathan Johansson scored the opening goal. It was a nice little finish. And in the second half, Alexei Romenka Jr. scored an even nicer second goal. And the fact that they've Finland won this game 2-0, two great goals. Uh, the Owl was adopted as the mascot. It was nicknamed Bubby. And since then, uh, Finland have been known as, as the Hukia, which is uh, Finnish for Eagle Owl. And it's interesting that, you know, a lot of countries have their names. These nicknames have come from years. There's the Three Lions... There's the Red Devils of Belgium. There's all these things that have come from generations of use. And not many of them, I can think, have come from an animal on the pitch. Uh, had Finland lost the game, no one would have remembered it. It would have been one of those humorous things you see on a viral YouTube video. Um, but as it is, um, it's become, you know, a symbol of the team, you know, the, the the actual, the physical, the man in the suit is an owl. Everything about it, the, the marketing is, you know, it's become very good around it. But to have that as your adopted mascot, and I mean, this was a majestic animal 
you know, and it would just look absolutely fantastic. And watching these videos again at the weekend, I mean, there was an interview of Hanu Tehinen, who's now the is it the head of player development or something at the the FA, and he's speaking in English about the magnitude of this occasion and being on the pitch. And um, yeah, it was great. And to to see how they're really thriving off the back of it, it's given them a proper identity as well. Which, to be honest, we'll come on to in a little while. The supposed golden generation. You know, they never had. This is now a name for the team. It's not just the Finland team. They now have a name. It's like one of the American sports franchises or something. It's really, really worked. Um, I, so as I say, I'll put. I've, I've been, I've been doing a little bit of moonlighting for uh, with, with Palo Lito this week, and then I know that there's um, some more content coming that's due to come out any day soon. So I'll put the link to that in the fanzine as well. This was one subject I knew a lot about because I've been writing about this for the last few days, uh, but I was quite happy to, to pass it on to you in case I just started regurgitating the writing that I've been, <laughs> <laughs> that I've been doing. Um, how about if we have a commercial break? Are any of us wearing our merch today? We're not, no. are we? It's terrible. Let's have a, <laughs> let's have a quick, let's have a quick halftime, halftime break to shill some, some merch um, we have the, the Finnish Football Show store on Tee Public. Um, links in the in the show notes. We've got the, I guess the perfect ones right now are the the owl design with the Finnish Football Show logo in the middle of it. It's um, it's available in blue with white or white with blue. Me and uh, Mrs. W have got one each and I'll be wearing mine in the uh, the market square of Sainioki on Saturday and cheering on the boys. Um, the, um, the, the t-shirts are, are priced around about 17 euros. They get printed to order and shipped out to you from local producers so you're helping kind of local businesses as well as helping the Finnish football show and we get a we get a small cut of that and and also we have buymeacoffee.com slash ffs podcast so this this in theory is a little bit like patreon but we don't we don't put anything behind a paywall we're not asking to you to subscribe regularly we're just saying if you want to make a donation to support the Finnish football show cause then um then please do all all donations are gratefully received they go into the pot and you know maybe they'll help us with uh, with some of the running costs and and actually connected to the merchandise rich you're you're running a little bit of a competition at the moment the um fantasy football competition um yeah so the official uefa euro 2020 app they've got a fantasy football game going on on there and we've decided to have a little mini league that involves very little administration on our part, but it's um, open to all. And we were suggesting that the winner of the league at the end will uh, send them a free Finnish football show T-shirt of their choice. So um, sign up. We've got um, there's about a dozen people in there at the time of recording. But yeah, if uh, anyone signs up and into our mini league, we'll uh, you know choose your merch. I was just looking actually, Rich, while you're talking and. We got fourteen members in there. I mean, I, I must admit, I find fancy football a little bit dull. Um, but I did put a team together, and yeah, I managed to get my name all sorted out. I, I screwed that up in the beginning, but that's all. That's all straight now. Um, so there's fourteen of us in there. I'm there. I can see 
Mark's there, Rich is there. Are you in there yet, Kiki? Not yet. I'm still working on my team. Blimey, I did mine in about <laughs> I did mine in about ten minutes, and I might have a little fiddle. But the thing is, making right. podcasts is kind of keeping me busy. So I'll probably have the same team that I put last Sunday. That will still be the team I have by the end of the competition, regardless of subs. Uh, but yeah, join join in, Mark. Yeah, yeah, just I guess one, one more thing, which is that uh, for all those that are listening to this and, and picking up those little gems uh, of information that's going to help them build their own previews and their own uh, stories in their own websites, in the finishfootballshow.com website, there's also a page dedicated to how you can support us. As Mark said, we're not asking for any money, but if you've uh, used some of our content to get a little bit wiser, go ahead and click the donate button there. Very good, thanks, Mark. Let's um, let's move on to the next the next subject. This is a this is a topic that is very close to Rich and Keke's hearts, so we're going to have to be quite strict on the amount of time here because it's about the about the Finland kit. And now, I one of you shared. I think it was one of you. There's so much stuff coming at the moment. I saw somebody shared a story that the the Finland kit had been ranked quite highly among all the Euro 2020 kits. Should we start with, should we start with that? Yeah, so um, there's been there's been a there's been a poll released obviously uh, a lot of the, a lot of these shirts were released in time for um, when this tournament was supposed to kick off. But um yeah, they've been on their coat hangers or what have you um, since then, but there's been a uh, been a recent poll and um, people seem to have fallen in love with the, the Finland home jersey. I, as you can see, I'm sporting the away jersey at the moment, which is my own personal favourite. But, um, but yeah, the white home jersey with the, uh, the, the, the dark blue stripe that sort of get, gets lighter down towards the bottom has, um, has scored quite highly. Um, I, wasn't, I, I must admit, I wasn't too sure when, when it was first released, but I've grown to absolutely love that shirt now. It's, um, and I think with the with the number as well, with the the, the, the Palolito numbering and um, branding. I think it looks absolutely fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, I think um, there's, there's been people all over Twitter, a lot of a lot of Rangers Football Club fans after Glenn Kamara shirts, been asking where they can get them and all that. And, um, and Palolito have done their bit by, uh, by adding English language to their, um, their, their official shop. So, um, so yeah, you can, Get over there. You don't have to worry about all your translations, and you can you can buy your uh, Hawkeyet shirt. But um, yeah, as far as as far as they go in in the in the tournament, I think they, the um, the home one especially has been quite well received. Go on then, Rich. This is you. You're the one with boxes and boxes of football shirts in your garage. Yeah, well, like Kika said, it's um, all. I mean, everything like this always brings out content ahead of a major tournament, and. Um, yeah, the Finland home kit anyway has been scoring really highly. I think that the Telegraph did one in the last couple of days that it was in, I think it was third. Um, the Italian journalist Tancredi Palmieri, he he did one, uh, his his list and, and the Finland one was, was number one. And, and in Finland, these a tweet like that suddenly generates articles on blog sites and all that. So it's, um again, it's, it's really difficult to get, because uh, I've had a lot of people asking me about getting the home kit. Um, in the UK and it's sold out in most regular sizes everywhere you can get the odd one in a, a small or extra small but um, yeah pretty much the only place you can you can get it is the the Palolito shop it's um, the away shirt I think you can buy there's a few places still selling it in most sizes in the UK but 
it's it's weird because um you know in the past Finland when they had Adidas and, and now Nike kits they were all very standard template stuff they were all the same yeah I mean especially the, the 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 Adidas ones they were the ones that all the big teams wore as well they were just in white and blue like the one that Mark's modeling now I think that was the 9899 mm. home shirt I think that was it's and... massive as well it's like an ice hockey shirt <laughs> even even on me now at this age um and these were all template shirts and they're all identical they change the colors but it was just like this whereas Nike now for, for all the dull kits they've given Finland in the six or seven years they've been doing them this time around they've every kit they've done for every country is bespoke in one way or another whether it's the collar, the design, the some some of the trim, um, and the Finland, yeah, when like Kaka said, when it first came out, though, I think a few people were kind of, uh, it's not one of those that I think it annoyed a few people. It's quite divisive in, in some way, but maybe like you know we, we've had that extra year now, and when you look at some of the advocates that some of the nations have that are either dull or a bit too controversial, this. You know, it speaks on the pitch. The players look great on it, which is another thing. Um, you know, it looked it looked all right on a design, on a hanger, on the old press release. But when the players started turning out with it, it looked the D's B's. It looked really good, and it's nice. You know, that people are wanting to buy it. Um, of course, I think it's sold quite well in Norwich as well. But um, that's for another podcast. <laughs> Where would Finland be without Norwich? In Finland. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've um, I found the uh, the shop. I put the link there. It's called the Finland Football Store, so they've uh, they've branded that quite nicely. Finlandfootballstore.fi. But I'll put the link in the in the notes. The, the notes this week are going to be very link heavy and quite light on text because uh, we're I'm doing this when I go silent and let others talk. I'm my fingers are furiously finding the info for people. So uh, we'll we'll make this as uh, as useful as Just, possible. Um... Just while we're on kits, there's um, been a bit of a uh, bit of controversy this week with the the new Ukraine kit that's been released. I don't know if anyone's seen that. It's um, I think it's uh, Joma is the company, isn't it, or is it Yoma? Mm. I don't know. Is it Spanish company? Mm. But um, yeah, they've uh, in within the um, within the sort of fabric, they've included a, a map of Ukraine that um, that includes the area of Crimea that um, Ukraine say theirs and other people say isn't. So, um, yeah, if any of the Nike executives are listening, um, if they can do a, a Finland kit next time with Pet Samo and Vipuri on it, that would be fantastic. <laughs> this is controversial. We're, we're going to be speaking with the the Finnish foot, the Russian football pop show or whatever they call themselves in a week or so. Let's not start a diplomatic incident. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll all turn up in Ukraine kit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had uh, so so this is this is being recorded on Wednesday the 9th. We recorded a show last week on Wednesday, and then on Friday and over the weekend, I I on my own got together and and put out a little bonus pod because we talked about the the Finland song for this competition, Sukupolvien Unelma, which is like the dream of generations, and we talked about how it it kind of kind of got us it, it it brought a lump to the throat or a tear to the eye and so i reached out to Nila arayuri who's the uh, the guy that wrote it and and performs the the song uh, just to to talk to him about it 
Um, and again, you can find that well, probably wherever you're listening to this. If you just look down, you'll see that episode. Uh, so uh, so line it up and and have a listen. It was about 20 minutes, and it was a really a really nice chat about the about the song, but also about his family because he's the brother of Paulus Ariuri, who's who's sort of one of the surefire starters for the for the Hukia this year, surely, and talking about about life growing up and and what led to to the recording of the of the song and uh, I think as I described it the other week it, it's got that kind of folky dancey Avicii kind of sound to it with a little bit of uh, of the, the the Finland fans singing or chanting Suomi and and it's just got this this kind of patriotic uh, lyrics lyrics there as well and and I was able to actually ask Neela how he felt to make 40 year old British men cry with his song. And he was quite touched actually. So, uh, so you know, it's, it's he, I think he said it's the, the best kind of feedback you can get because it, it shows what his, what his song is doing. And he said that he'd, he'd been told that, that, that there had been Finnish men who'd been at work in the office during the day and the song had been played and they just burst into tears in the middle of the office. And, we all know that Finnish men are not normally quite so expressive with their emotions. So he's, he's definitely got something there. And I, I can imagine when the games are on, I, I said to you, I'm, gonna, I'm planning to be in the market square watching the, the Denmark game on a big screen. And you can imagine the song being played just before or just after the game and, and the whole crowd kind of getting a lift from it so uh so thanks to neela for joining me the other day and uh, and good on you and let's uh let's let's get let's use it to kind of get get everybody worked up a little bit for the game on saturday i'll tell you what if um if the players we've mentioned are having any trouble uh building up their their teammates for the for the game on saturday all they need all, all lucas needs to do is whack that on the the changing room stereo and um i'll tell you what they'll be ready even as even as a, a non-native speaker have finished you know like it's uh, especially with the the excellent work they've done on the video as well where you know it just it just can't fail but just just to get you and get you inspired it's it's, it's honestly neil has done a fantastic job there and um, and the guys who have been involved in the video as well well done to them because it's it's just it's a, i can't stop listening to it i'll tell you what and i i i just i know and i hope that it becomes a, an anthem for the summer you know what i mean yeah um mark uh, we're, we're going to come on to uh finland manager marku kanerva in a minute but i also mentioned to neela the this this phrase in there viva la revolution and i explained to him that you know you coined the phrase revolution and he didn't know that i don't know if he's planning to offer you a, a co co songwriting credits and a slice of his fortune that must be coming his way I mean, you might just have to go for the glory there i have many offers for a new album i did <laughs> I, actually i would i would say i was slightly disappointed because i when i when i listened to the pod back uh you you forgot uh it was ari's book yeah i did i know sorry ari i i remembered it afterwards uh, mark's mark's frozen on us there yeah ari Vierden's book uh so yeah sorry about that i it came to me uh, half an hour after the uh, after the interview and i didn't have it written down beforehand it just sort of popped up in my in, in the conversation 
So maybe we should move on and talk talk a little bit about the progression of managers over over the the, the recent recent history. Um, Rich, earlier you mentioned Roy Hodgson um, being the, the manager when when Booby the the Eagle Owl made his appearance. Do you want to talk, start talking us through that that process a little bit of the of the managers? Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that gets discussed, obviously, with the, the various tournament guides and, and things that are talking about Marco Canerva and his background. Uh, I think a lot of people know he was a teacher um, in between his playing career and, and becoming a manager. But um, yeah, so uh, Roy Hodgson was the Finland manager for, Mo, I think, the second half of the, the previous day or the 2000s. Um, there, there was a, a spell of... Uh, managers going through the Finnish national team who, and, and this is the problem, it's, it's difficult when you're a, na- a nation, sometimes you have to be selective. You can't have a process in place, um, whereas you might at a club. They had a number of foreign coaches that had Stuart Baxter, uh, an Englishman who was in charge of Finland, who he was. He then went to South Africa and he recently had a, a very awful issue in India. But um, so there was him, there was Roy Hodgson, who did pretty well with Finland. I think he his record was good. They got fairly close to qualifying for Euro 2008. I think it would have taken a final day swing of several goals and, and had results gone their way. But he was actually awarded essentially the equivalent of a knighthood for his services to Finnish football. I mean, he actually, I mean, it's Roy Hodgson, everyone knows, but he actually learned the language. He made the effort to integrate himself into the country, um, he was also a kind of, he became a very much a, a Yari Lippmann and fanboy to the point that he then signed him when he was 37 for Fulham. Um, Lippmann, of course, didn't play a single minute and got knocked out by a goal kick in training. But he, um, I mean, he left, uh, Richard Moller Nielsen was manager at one point as well. Then Miksu Patalainen took over in 2011. And Mixu, of course, everyone knows, is a former player, did a lot in England and Scotland. Um, his reign was, I think, mediocre, would be putting it mildly, but uh, he, he was very rigid with a Christmas tree. Uh, the, the highlight of the reign was a draw against Spain in 2013, where Damon Pukki scored the equaliser there in one of the most one-sided draws ever. Um, and when he, he left five years ago, uh, six years ago this week, actually, after they lost a World Cup, uh, Euro 2016 qualified to Hungary, uh, Kaneva took over as caretaker after that. And it was all very drab. It was the same players doing the same thing. It was Einstein's theory that you expect different results um, because he played the now-renowned Christmas tree formation. Um, now, when he left, there was a... Uh, I can't think of the best way to describe it without involving lawyers, but um, the FA at the time was run by Perthi Ayala, a former goalkeeper, and he formed a very small committee with him. Uh, Yari Lippmann was involved. They were very much pals, and they decided, I mean, for the, there was an open recruitment for the Finland manager. I believe Stuart Pearce applied for the job as well. Um, they selected Hans Backer, who had been... Um, he was a Swedish man who worked in he worked at Notts County uh, he'd been man- the manager of New York Red Bulls and he presided over the 2016 and I'll call it a reign of terror because in 11 games Finland won zero 
they were dreadful, absolutely bereft of everything. Um, and of course, he stayed until the end of 2016 and Finland had already started their World Cup 2018 qualifying group with, a, I think it was a defeat. They were 2-1 up at Iceland in the 90th minute and lost 3-2. And that that really spelt the death of, of him. He, he left. Kaneva took over again, but he was off the full-time job. He was a company man. He'd been the under-21 coach when uh, the team reached the Euros in 2009. The spine of that team, uh, Toivio, uh, Spav, Puki, Yuka Raitala was there. A number of players, I mean, most of them had gone on to, to win a lot of caps for Finland. And this is where that kind of continuity by error, they made, you know, if you look in the wrong place enough times, you'll find what you're looking for. He's brought that team together and everything, you know, they don't have the outstanding stars that they used to, that we'll talk about. Um, but he's made them a team. He's made them bonded. These are people who know each other inside out. It's quite simple. You know, he's no Guardiola. He's no Bielsa. He's no, I mean, we talk about the revolution. You know, he's not going to win awards for his tactical prowess, but he's made them a team that can beat you know, a lot of their peers the Nations League helped, I'm a big fan of the Nations League for the confidence and the momentum it gave Finland. And uh, obviously a big fan of his because he's an Arsenal fan as well. But he's um, what, what he's done is just, it's difficult to put into words because he's taken Finland where they've never been before with players who probably wouldn't have got in the team of the late 90s on an individual basis of the early 2000s. But they're a team... And everything about them now going into this tournament is about unity, is about strength. It is kind of old-fashioned English values in there. You know, they're all playing for each other. But, um, yeah, what he's done since the end of 2016, I mean, he's been in charge for nearly five years now. And, you know, this is consistently, you know, a strong Finland team, which, you know, the likes of which we haven't had. I mean, Hodgson got them to 33rd or something in the FIFA rankings, but this is over a five-year period and got them to a tournament. Uh, everything he gets, every accolade, every award, every nomination, he absolutely deserves. Mark's rejoined us now. Um, Mark, I did I did continue from where you dropped out by just saying that it was uh, Ari Virtinen's book. Um, it was Oi Suomi on. I've put a link in the show notes and if Ari's listening I hope that makes go some way to make recompense but why don't you talk a little bit about this uh, word you invented and where, oh. where and, and like, where does revolution come from what's the the, the the name about yeah so the revolution was just I mean I think uh, so if you uh, so if you if you're not familiar actually even before before Rive uh, Marco Canova took over for this stint, the one that got us qualified for this tournament, which was three years ago, he actually stepped in as caretaker manager after Miksu Patalainen, who you may know from Bolton, uh, back in the like, early 90s. Uh, he had a kind of a, a disastrous managerial campaign w w in charge of Finland because uh, we had what was universally agreed to be the easiest qualification group in our history, where we had... Hungary, Romania, and Northern Ireland as the as the right the key teams for us to beat, and we all basically assumed that this would be the one that would get us, you know, to a major tournament. Um, I think it was after five or six games he got sacked after a one nil home defeat to Hungary, and not everybody remembers this one, but in that um, in that qualification campaign, 
Greece was the other team in that group, I should say. Um, uh, Ganerva took over for the last four games. Won two, draw, drew two. And I think we ended up as only, it was a point or two points off actually qualifying. You know, and so after having this disastrous campaign in a really easy group, Ganerva took over and still almost got us qualified um, in, in a really short space of time. Uh, unfortunately, the Balolito, the Finnish FA, uh, didn't decide to, to extend his contract at that point. And we went in and brought Hans Backer, which ushered in an era of seven defenders. They're the kind of, the kind of tactics that would make Scotland blush <laughs> for, for the amount of defenders that we get on, uh, on the pitch. Um, and then, and then uh, that lasted for a year. We didn't win a game. We were at probably the darkest, lowest point in our, in our footballing history. I think we were past 100 in the uh, in the FIFA rankings, this was around the time we launched the Finnish football show because the fifth episode was entitled "Is this the worst time to start a, fo- a podcast mm. about Finnish football?" Yeah, that's right, that's right. And and what what Canova did when he came up, came came in, he just returned everything to the basics. So you know, uh, he set up a, a simple four four two system, much in the style of Leicester City uh, in uh, in uh, in the sort of two thousand sixteen time when they won the Premier League at a long shot. Um, we stayed really tight in the middle. Uh, we hit everybody on the counter-attack. We had uh, two sort of wide forwards, and then we had, uh, well, I mean, at the time, it was Sparv and uh, I think Perpa Heitem uh, probably retired at about that time. So it, was, it would have been Alex Ring who held the middle before Glenn Kamara came on the scene. And, um, you know, we we sort of, we, but he developed this really simple, straightforward system that was keep it tight in the back, bide your time, counter uh, with 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 pace and, and with uh, effective through balls, get Puki and Bohian Palo in behind, uh, and it started to work. It worked. It started to work like a charm. At the same time, you know, a lot of the seat, what we called then senior players, uh, Mo- Nicholas Moisander, Perpa Heitemai, uh, Alex Ring, who wasn't so old decided that they didn't want to continue uh, with the national team or, or retired. Uh, so I think Kariarkivo was another one. A lot of caps, a lot of experience. And uh, Rive uh, just accepted all that, said, okay, if you don't want to be here, it's, it's totally fine. Uh, find yourselves, like, enjoy the rest of your careers. And then he just built this really simple, straightforward system. And it's, uh, you know, it's a play on words. It was a, re- it was a revolution of sorts because we, for years and years, we'd been trying Christmas trees and five at the back and, you know, whatever the, whatever the hell Hans Bakke was trying, which we still, still to this day don't know. Um, and, and Rive just came back and, and made that sort of a revolution that was based around really simple principles and, and um, a straightforward tactical approach. And that name came from his being a fan of Rivellino, the Brazilian player. Yeah, that's that's yeah, where it that's, came from originally. Yeah, yeah, he played for Finland in the uh, 80s. If I remember correctly, he also played against Brazil. And, right. and yeah, Rivellino was was one of his uh, yeah was one of his favorite players uh, at, at the time. You're a you're a, a wordsmith, Mister Hayton. And it's I in one. Everybody gets one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not all of them end up in print and in song. So, you know. Um, okay. Do, do you know what? We're actually kind of towards the end of the end of the show. Rich, you mentioned this right at the beginning about the, the legacy of Finland's golden generation. This was the generation that 
Roy Hodgson managed and uh, you know what 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 was it that you wanted to, wanted to say maybe maybe give people an idea of some of the players because if you're uh, following the the Premier League as it was back then these were kind of well known Premier League players that were that all happened to be finished all at the same time yeah i mean it was over the course of probably the sort of mid to late 90s going through to towards the end, the end of Hodgson's reign um and it's something that comes up in most of the quotes um, or most of the tournament previews is people talking about uh, Yari Lippmann and or Sammy Hubia because they're the two outstanding, you know, the, the two Finns who've won Champions Leagues with their clubs, um, you know, both pivotal members of their teams. Uh, neither of them played a major tournament. Uh, some of the players who played in Finland squads around that time, um, you know, I mean, we talked, I mean, they had an embarrassment of riches in some positions. I mean, they had Jussi Askelein and Antti Niemi, both in goal. Players like uh, Teimo Tainio. I mean, Mikhail Forsell scored so many goals. And yet, again, the team, the way everything worked, didn't bring the best out of him, despite the number of goals he scored. Uh, Lippmann played if he could walk. Um, he got in that team. He got so many caps. Um and I mean, we, we've jested and, and only recently has someone matched him of playing competitive games in four decades. And there's an Andorran centre-half who's just managed that feat as well. And, um, you know, he, he was this larger-than-life figure, Littman and on, on the pit. You know, he had this, this influence and this power that if he was undroppable until he was dropped, basically, until his career came to an end and someone finally told him, this is it. Um but yeah, I mean, again, they, they had the players and, and most of those players would walk into this team on an individual, you know, quality basis. But there was no, or there was very little of the team ethic that there was there. Everything was kind of, oh, well, this player's available. Let's try and shift this around to get him in. Um, there's none of that now. And if you fit in the system, you're there. Whereas, you know, some, I mean, the, you, when we look back and, at the the YouTube and, and the clips of these teams that that had the odd good result, they some of the you know they they turn up and they they beat Belgium, they get good results against Germany or, or Netherlands or something like that, and yet they wouldn't do it on the games where you'd expect them to win, um, and yeah, because they weren't a team, they weren't a proper team, and it was it's difficult looking back to think like how did they not make you know Euro two thousand eight or whatever and. We all laugh about the own goal that cost them a spot in the playoffs for France 98. I mean, it probably saved the humiliation that Hungary got. I think they lost 10-1 to Yugoslavia after qualifying for that. But um, that, that's something that's come up in the last couple of weeks. But it's, um, it's difficult to, when you kind of reconcile the difference. And everyone talks about Yari Littmann. I mean, I in the mid-90s, we didn't have Sky TV in, in my house. So we didn't want to have Premier League. All we had was Champions League on ITV in the 94-95 season and the 95-96 where Yari Lippmann was really one of the best European footballers. Certainly, you know, and now we look back and we think Tamer Puki is probably going to break his goals record this year. Uh, and we've got a team who play, who fight, who run for each other in a way that that team didn't do. Um, obviously, the slightly larger tournament helps, but um, that, in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't think that's relevant. 
Okay, any other players that you'd like to add to that list of, of people that Rich has mentioned? Yeah, I mean, um, Jonathan Johansson, you know, he was smashing goals in in the Premier League. Um, up in Scotland as well, smashing goals in. He had a decent career. You had um, Petri Passanen, who um, had a very, very stellar career in Germany. I think he spent most of his most of his time. But he he was a he was a cracking player. Um, towards the end of that generation, and sort of maybe not quite making it into this generation, but you had um, Mika Varanen, who played um, played in Holland as well, who was a, another fantastic player. But as as we've mentioned, this. This team seems to be such a team and more than the sum of its parts, whereas that team had amazing individuals who, for whatever reason, just uh, couldn't, seem to, couldn't seem to get it together as a team. I think you, I mean, you're clearly forgetting Shevki, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, no, the, the crazy thing about that generation was, you know, even the guys on the bench, even the guys in, in, that were sort of backup also played also had sort of, you know, semi-decent, you know, um, Premier League type careers. You know, they managed to hit it in, in, at the top top flight, whether that was a cult status or, or whether it was kind of a journeyman status. They were still sort of there and thereabouts in the top leagues across Europe. Valakari was another one. So he's not, not by no accounts is he a household name, but but he played top flight football. And what he about a friend the, of the show, Aki Rihilati? And Aki, Aki Rihilati was leg, yeah, legend at, at, at Crystal Palace. Um, on so, the list. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think that the, that that squad had a, an incredible depth depth to it. I think, I mean, it, it was obviously a different a different era of football. I think, I think, um, you know, they were all really skillful players. They were all, you know, technically good, and they were all physically fit. Uh, but I think, I mean, I think. When you when you look back at the at the particularly the management that we had at around that time, you know it's fair to say that we always had an old head uh, or a sort of traditional way of playing. We we never had somebody, we never had somebody that could, um, you know, just organize the team in a, in a way that would be a surprise. Finland, you, you you could always predict what 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 Finland team would what how Finland would play because it would basically be on how fit Yari was. If he was in great form, he would have been up top, <laughs> like uh, it's playing off that playing off of Forsell. And if he wasn't fit, he'd be dropped into a midfield five. He'd <laughs> be there nonetheless. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, those those years after after Hodgson, they were they were sort of the, the wilderness years, really. I mean, um, after what Hodgson managed to do do with that team, and I, I don't know if I'm right in saying, but I, I seem to remember that it was. Um, it was it was our old mate Roy who um, who suggested Baxter for the job after he um, yeah recommended after him. He, after he yeah he, rec- he recommended him so um but yeah I just remember a sort of limping through the Baxter era and then you know and then and then everything that came after Mixu again I, I mean I remember I mean and Mixu he's you know he was a, he was pretty much a, a legend himself when he played for the national team and um, and I remember there was. Games where there was such venom against him, you know, asking for him to to go out to be sacked from his from his job as manager, and then Christ, well, I don't know what that Hans Backer experiment was all about, Jesus. But um, but you know, thankfully we can forget all that. Now. Yeah, but if you think back to that Baxter, the Baxter and Mixu time, you know, we had uh, Moisander was in his prime. He was captain at Ajax and then went to Serie A and and to the Bundesliga. We had Perpa, uh, was it Perpa Hetemai, who was a regular. In Serie A, uh, who would we have had? Was it Roman Eremenko? And Alexei. All gone. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh God. The, the, but Alexei as well. Alexei Jr. Mm. would have been there at that time as well. He was still probably Motherwell somewhere like that, or Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we I mean, we had talent uh, at, at that point, but those Baxter was, I mean, Baxter was, I think, a, a colossal mistake, and and unfortunately, we all wanted. I think everybody wanted Mixu to succeed. We all wanted it so much that we st- that we believed in the Christmas tree probably for about a year longer than we should have done. He's still he's still working anyway. His uh, his Hong Kong team are currently in Bahrain for World Cup qualifying, so he's uh, he's he's not unemployed. That's the main thing. Okay, I think that is a good time to wrap it up. We've we've gone long. Uh, as as per usual, um, what about if we just each give our thoughts on what we're hoping for for the for the Finland team in the in the Euros? Um, what what do you think, Mark, would be good for Finland? A good a good result out of this whole competition. I think the way that groups are structured this time. That so it's it's the, the the top two go through and then it's four from the six groups the third place in four of the groups, I reckon th- four points definitely gets you through three points might even still get you through, so that's either three draws or a lucky win, or uh, if we can throw it through a uh, a draw and a win in there, I think we can get something. These teams, I mean Denmark, Belgium, Russia. I don't. There's not an A league. Team. We're not playing Germany. We're not playing France. We're not playing England, you know. I think there's. I think. I think each of those Belgium are a tough team, but this is the week as weak as they've been. I mean, they are I ranked think, number one in the world, so. I know, but I mean, if I, I look at that defense, I mm. do you know what? I look at that mm. defense, and I think these guys are going to press Finland, and I think Bookie's just going to stand, just you know, a yard the other side of the halfway line, and wait for one or two through balls, mm. and we'll do exactly what we did to France. We'll just we'll catch them on the we'll catch them on the break and just pop them. Um, so I think, I mean, I think the chances, so good is, I think, uh, I think good is get, we get out of the group. I reckon we can do it. Rich? Um, similar. I mean, uh, Portugal got out the group last time with three draws and went on to win the thing. Um, so we're going to do a Portugal then? Well, uh, <laughs> no, we're going to do a Greece. <laughs> yeah. One of the statistical people suggested that Finn had 0.1% chance of winning the tournament. And I, Immediately thought of the old dumb and dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance. Um, honestly, I, I have this fear that Finland will come third in the group, but not be one of the four. I, I think it'll be, I, I think they'll either get two draws or they'll, I, I, I do have this feeling somehow they'll beat Russia. Um <laughs> I know. I've said so it. two two draws and beating Russia. That that no, no, could two, put you. <laughs> well, I think two two draws win the group. Or, or, yeah. Two draws, um, Denmark and and Russia. Or that I have a feeling they might beat Russia, but I there's part of me that just feels it'll be part of that romantic first story that they'll get into that last game with Belgium, and they'll get knocked out because of goal difference or results elsewhere or something like that. They'll they'll end up watching through to the end of the group stage and not knowing if they're through or not until probably a day or two later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I that oh, that would be painful, yeah, wouldn't it? It would just be painful. Dragging it out for two days crossed, because that's yeah. how these things go. Yeah, because exactly. someone has to suffer. Keke, what do you think? 
I'm going for uh, I'm going for nine points. I think. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's not Eurovision. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like I think all these other mobs they're underestimating us. Do you know what I mean? They they mm. think we're just turning up there and we're happy just to be there. No, mate, we're going to give it a good crack and see how we get on. You know, but yeah, realistically, if you can if you could if you can beat Russia, I know they're in their their own backyard, but they've got an aging centre forward. Do you know what I mean? Like, we if if we can if we can beat Russia, nick three points there. By the time the Belgium game comes round. Belgium, Belgium might already might already be through and not need to worry too much. They'll be looking at which side of the draw they go on. Allah, when they played, whoever it was, was it England when we played them and um, mm-hmm. in the in, in the World Cup. And so you know we uh, we might get might get a nil nil or something against the number one team in the world. So we're uh, I'm confident. I'm confident. I I have been thinking for a while that that you know. Not that this is what I want to happen, but that there's there's kind of steps. Like let's let's get the first goal, let's like like scoring the first goal at the Euros, yep. and then let's let's get the first point, and then let's get the first win. And and kind of I've been trying. I'm the opposite of you, I think, Kiki. I've been trying not to build myself up too high too soon. But now I kind of feel I'm now I'm all wrapped up in your enthusiasm. I'm I'm I think we can do it. Uh, realistically, I reckon. Four points would be doable, and four points would be good, and probably would be enough. Um, but where they're coming from, I don't know. I know it's, it's like yeah. two two away games, and then uh, and then playing the world number one in a neutral ground. That's. I, I, so I, I'm not going to make any big predictions on the. I, I do think we can get out of the group, but I, I'm I'm always a bit. I'm always terrible for predictions because Keke always, <laughs> Keke, Keke always knocks me on my ass. Uh, but um, what I will predict is I think uh, Pudu Soiri is going to do a Poborski. So I reckon mm. I reckon he'll go down a blistering run, beat three players, smash in an absolute worldie, and then end up in the Premier League next season. Very nice. That that on that positive note, I reckon it's time that we wrap up um, and. And then we've got the job of getting this thing published. Um, remember, listener, follow our Facebook page for content coming directly from us. We are picking up followers all the time on the Facebook page. You'll see our podcasts and blogs and what have you on there. You'll also find a link to our Facebook group where we share all manner of, of other stuff. We've got the Instagram page, Finnish Football Show. We've got the YouTube channel. And we've now got a TikTok. What four forty somethings are doing with it? Left alone to run a TikTok channel, I've no idea. But but maybe over the over the next few weeks, we'll get some interesting bits and pieces to share on there as well. So if you want to, you can reach out to us, any one of us on Twitter. Uh, Rich, who are you? I'm at Escape to Swarmy. Mark, who are you? At FC Swarmy. Keke. I'm at Keke Mulleri. And I'm at Explore Finland. And until the next episode of the Finnish Football Show, thanks a lot. Goodbye.